right, applause for picking up your own pulpit. I like this. <laughs> so I had a great summer. I don't know about you guys. I'm, I'm kind of stressed that it's the last Sunday of the summer, but I had a great one. Made a new friend this summer. It's a big deal if you're over 50 and you make a friend, right? <laughs> it got applause last service than when I told him I made a friend, by the way. Thank you. <clears throat> During my summer vacation, uh, here, my wife, uh, Margie, and I, we enjoyed two weeks at a condo 50 yards from a beach. We had this really generous friend, lets us stay at his condo. It's right there, close to the beach. Amazing place. We love it. Uh, we're planning to go back next year if we get invited back. I mean, that's how good it is. Here's the sum of our vacation. We swim, we snorkel, we fish, and we read. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, I like this group. You, you clap for everything I say. That's good. Um, loved it. That was the sum of the vacation. Never had to leave the condo complex. Just a terrific uh, place activities. I especially got into the fishing. Margie, not so much. She would read an extra book while I would fish. It was so good because there was a canal. There was the, uh, the uh, channel that went to the local marina, like right near our condo, 50 steps from our condo. And so several times a day, I would go out fishing just for a half hour or an hour or so. It was just put my line in the water. I could fish right into that canal. There was plenty of fish. I, I'm not a good fisherman. I'm no real fisherman. In, in fact, I'll confess, um, it became real clear if you are a fisherman that I was not a fisherman because real fishermen come up to other fishermen and say, what are you using for bait? That's the big question that we ask each other. And uh, I had to answer, my bait of choice was hot dogs, right? <laughs> And other real fishermen would look at me with disgust and walk away. Just shake their heads and walk away. Those fish, they loved hot dogs, by the way. I'll tell you in a minute. <laughs> really cool, though, because right there, um, I, I, I could sit on a bench that overlooked this canal and fish and um, caught over 100 fish with these hot dogs. So, like I said, I, I can't throw in the line and like wait like real fishermen. I want to throw it in, and either they steal the bait or I reel one in. That's the kind of fishing I like. Like I said, I'm no real fisherman. I fish once a year on my summer vacation at this canal. Love it, but that's the extent of it. Threw them all back. Caught all kinds, all sizes. Threw them all back. It's called catch and release. That's what a real fisherman calls it, catch and release. So... My new friend, he watched me walk by his condo. I had to walk right by his condo on the way to my fishing bench to the canal. He watched me walk by his condo for almost a week before he joined me on the fishing bench. His name is Robert, 65-year-old retired bricklayer of 38 years. Small guy, but like strong and built, slight of build, but just solid. Full head of gray hair, real leathered skin, Self-described as, I'm tough as nails. That's how he talked. <laughs> he was. He was and he still is. He was a foreman for the last 25 years of his work life. And uh, he, he managed a crew of 300 bricklayers and laborers for big concrete jobs like malls and, you know, uh, um, you know strip malls is what his, his main thing was, office buildings, big commercial projects. 
In fact, he told me that he poured the concrete for the local Target store near my house. But now his body was shot, and he was in constant pain. And as a retired guy, he was, he was trying to learn how to relax, how to live the good life, but he did not know how. All he knew was work. He had never fished before, never golfed, no hobbies, no recreation, nothing. You know what he did for fun? Worked around his house. In fact, he told me he, took, he put two huge additions onto his already oversized house. That's what he did for recreation. This guy needed a tutor or a mentor for his recreation choices, and I was Robert's man. <laughs> right? He needed someone to show him the finer points of fishing in the canal near his condo and mine. So I said, Robert, you got to check this out. Didn't own a fishing pole. Had his wife back home in New Jersey mail him a pole. He used mine, my extra one, in the meantime. He was like a little kid when he caught his first fish. You know, nervous and excited and, and proud all at the same time. He reeled this thing in, small thing. He took pictures of it, sent it back home. He told everyone about it. I was embarrassed for him, right? <laughs> but I said, hey, you're doing great, Robert. But he was hooked. He loved it. He couldn't get enough of it. I created a monster. <laughs> Robert would come to my condo at 5.30 in the morning and pull the slider door and say, can Pastor Dan come out and play? <laughs> it's true. I commented to my wife how cute I thought it was. She had other comments. <laughs> he loved calling me Pastor Dan. I think he got a kick out of it. Because I don't think he could quite believe it. You see, he told me he was not like a religious type, that he didn't go to church much. He had once, when he was a kid, he was like an altar boy of some kind, but he told me he hadn't been to church in years, decades. He said, I think it's been over 50 years since I set foot in the church. And he said, I'd never had a conversation with a pastor ever, except if you include confession. He goes, but that wasn't much of a conversation. So I, kinda, I think he kind of liked talking to like a real pastor. I don't know what he was thinking, but, and I really enjoyed him. In fact, he was so proud of having this pastor friend, this fishing buddy now, uh, all his buddies back home, he'd call on the cell phone and he'd tell them about his fishing escapades and his pastor friend. And they wouldn't believe him. In fact, he'd make me get on the cell phone and say, hey, tell him, tell him you're a real pastor. Tell him, right? It's true. He'd hang up the phone, he'd come to me, he goes, they still don't believe me. He goes, they don't believe two things. They don't believe I fish, and they don't believe I befriended a pastor. Because those two things were unthinkable to anybody who knew Robert. What his friends didn't know is that God was working on their friend Robert during this vacation. It was awesome. So anyhow, I was so inspired by Eric Lubert's message last week. I ditched everything I was going to preach on and decided I want to do part two of the Holy Spirit. Eric did such a good job. I was sitting right there, and I felt like God inspired me to say, that's what you're preaching on. Chuck what you had planned and preach part two because Eric didn't have time to preach the whole body of what the Holy Spirit is all about and what he does. By the way, one of my good friends out in the Welcome Center came up to me. He says, hey, hey, you were good, but Eric was way better than you. So <laughs> I need some new friends. I realize that. So uh, anyhow, that's what I want to do. I want to actually build on what Eric talked about last week about the Holy Spirit. So if you didn't hear it, you need to get the CD. 
because he did an awesome job of laying a foundation of talking about who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. And so what I want to do is I want to talk about how can we host the Holy Spirit well and then release him and then let that presence in us bless, encourage people around us. It's what we're called to do. It's what we're meant to do. It's what we're designed to do that we can be the natural part of what God wants to do supernaturally on people all around us. That's what I want to focus on this morning. Take a few minutes to do that. Again, build on Eric's foundation. He talked about who he is and what he does. Talked about the Holy Spirit as the third person of the Trinity, a real person, distinct from Jesus and the Father. The very Spirit of God that lives in us, those who have trusted Jesus as our Savior, he lives in us, he resides in us. He is with us. That's why Jesus said to his disciples, I think we read this last week in John 16, 7, Jesus says, it's, it's for your good that I go away. Unless I go away, the Holy Spirit, the counselor, will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. So we followers of Jesus, we now have this counselor, we now have this advocate, this comforter, available to us at all times. It's one of the reasons why God is called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. The Holy Spirit is with us, he is in us. That's our reality as a Christ follower. So my question my focus this morning is, how do we host his presence so the, the Spirit's leadership is evident in our lives? And then how do we release his presence on those around us? It's our own catch and release strategy concerning the Spirit of God. So I want you to turn with me in our passage this morning. It's, it's from the Gospel of John chapter 1. Take out your device or your Bible. I'll have it on the screen, but if you have your own, that might be better. It's this great passage that speaks of Jesus' baptism in John chapter one. And I, I tell you this because all of the gospel writers include the details of Jesus' baptism. All the gospel writers tell us that Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. He was baptized by John. That's why we call him John the Baptist. And at the baptism, every writer says it was amazing because the heavens opened up and the spirit of God descended from heaven and landed on Jesus. It descended as a dove. They saw a dove come from heaven and land on Jesus right after he came out of the water. Every gospel writer includes those details. So interesting, Luke, who's very exact, he was a doctor and he, 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 he liked details. He said, and I want you to know, in his gospel, he says, I want you to know that this dove that came down was not an apparition. It was not a ghost. It was not a vision we saw. It was an actual dove. It was a real bird. It had the substance of a bird, but it was the Holy Spirit coming down, landing on Jesus. The Gospel of John, the passage I want to look at, he does something unique. He includes all those details. But he says, John is the writer who says, in fact, it was Jesus' baptism that identified him, that revealed him as the long-awaited Messiah. He said his baptism was the clear indication that Jesus was the one. That's where I want to jump into the reading. In John chapter 1, we'll start reading in verse 29. So the gospel writer writes this. The next day, after his baptism, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, it's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, he had never proclaimed that before, but John the Baptist could confidently make this bold claim because of, and he goes on to tell us in verse 32, jump down to verse 32. John, John the Baptist gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove, 
and it remained on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain, he's the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. John says, I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Think of it. The confirming evidence that Jesus was the much-anticipated Messiah was that the Spirit of God remained on him after his baptism. See, the this, this Spirit descended as a dove, but it didn't fly away. Now, remember, John the Baptist had baptized hundreds, maybe thousands of people, but only one had a Spirit of God. The dove came down from heaven, landed on him, and remained, stayed with him. You know what John does? John says, ah, that's the sign. He's the one. And so John says, he's the one. He's the son of God. He's the Messiah, the chosen one. And the day later, he boldly proclaims, as we just read, there's the Lamb of God. He takes away the sin of the world. The identifying mark, revelation, that Jesus was the one, the anticipated Messiah, was that the Spirit of God, as a dove, came and remained on one person after he baptized him, Jesus Christ. He was the only one. John says, it's, it's where Jesus is revealed. It's why I can boldly proclaim he's the one. It's interesting to us because ever since Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is available to all of us who trust in Jesus. But at this time, this was the revelation that Jesus was to have this Spirit of God on him, in him, and he remained. Didn't come for a short duration or fly away. So it's the promise of Jesus himself that we who follow Jesus, we have this same Holy Spirit. He's in us. He's with us all the time. So here's my question. Here's the thing that bothers me. Here's what I want to focus on because this is what keeps me up at night. And this gives me great disappointment for myself, maybe for you. And is this. If, how come the Spirit's presence isn't more obvious in the lives of us who call ourselves believers? Why isn't it so obvious that the Spirit of God is in us and on us. Something's wrong. How is it that we believers can sometimes go through our life and live practically oblivious to the Holy Spirit's presence in our own lives if he supposedly lives inside us? It just seems unthinkable to me if I really believe he lives in me. And what needs to change so that the Holy Spirit and his presence can be more prominent and more prevalent and more impactful in my life, in your life, if we indeed host him, if in, indeed he remains on us and in us. That's my question this morning. Think of it this way. Let's make this really simple. If an actual dove came and landed on your shoulder and you wanted him to stay, how would you live? How would you move? How would you walk? if you wanted the dove to remain on you and not fly away. If you didn't want the dove to fly away and you wanted him to remain, think about it. How would you move? How would you walk? How would you live? Because I think the answer to that question actually reveals, I think it's the key, to you and I hosting the Spirit's presence better than we do now. And you might think, well, if I had a dove on my shoulder and wanted him not to fly away, I would walk very carefully. I'd move slowly and maybe gingerly, and that's probably a good answer, but I think there's a more complete answer. I think if you had a dove on you and you wanted him to remain, you would, your every step 
and your every movement would be with the dove in mind. You'd always have a consciousness of the dove on you. You would, you would walk and your lifestyle would be oriented to being sensitive to the dove, to adjusting to the dove. You would be focused on maintaining the presence of the dove, the dove, of course, being the spirit. That's what you and I need to adjust to or think through is how do we adjust to the dove? How do we, how do we walk with the spirit? In fact, it's really interesting. The apostle Paul puts it this way in Galatians chapter five. He says this, since we live by the spirit, let's keep in step with the spirit. Since the dove remains on us believers, how do we walk in such a way so he remains? How do we live with the dove in mind? That's what Paul is saying here. If we want the Spirit's presence to remain, every step we take is with him in mind. We adjust our life to the dove. That's how we keep in step with the Spirit. The question is, how do we do it? Because most of us don't do it very well. Let me suggest two qualities that you and I need to cultivate if we're going to begin to live with the dove in mind, if we're actually going to be sensitive to the Spirit, if we're actually going to walk in step with the Spirit, what two qualities do we need to develop? There are many, but let me pick two, the two most basic, and it's this. Awareness and expectancy. Awareness and expectancy. See, you and I need to become more aware of what God is up to, what he's doing around us, and then expectant that God would choose us and want to use us to release his presence, to accomplish his purposes. As I mentioned earlier, I can walk through my day practically oblivious to the Spirit's presence in my life, practically oblivious to what God is doing all around me. I can be so consumed with my plans and my agenda and my purposes and my needs that I miss that God is at work all around me, that he has purposes and plans for me to accomplish if I would only be aware and I miss it. Even though God is always at work around me, you know how I know that? Jesus says it in John 5, 17. He says it this bluntly. He says, my father's always at work to this very day. He's always at work. And it's so funny, as a Christian, I'll say, yeah, I believe that. I'm just unaware of most of what's going on. I'm oblivious to what's going on. I don't know about you. So what's God up to? Scripture tells us. It says that he's seeking and saving the lost. He's restoring lost sons and daughters. He's bringing freedom to those captive to their own sin. He's mending the brokenhearted. He's giving hope and future to the harassed and helpless. The list goes on and on and on. He's always at work. To this very day, Jesus says. And he, inv he invites those he has placed his spirit inside to join him in his work. To represent, to represent him to a hurting, broken world. See, it's our purpose and priv privilege to carry this presence, to carry the Holy Spirit in us into the circumstances of our life, and then release his presence, then demonstrate the love of the Father in our very circumstances. It's what we were meant to do. But we, you and I, we gotta be more aware of what he's up to, because most of us are just totally unaware, we're clueless. We gotta move and live with the dove in mind, we gotta walk in step with the Spirit. Here's what my community group already does. The guys I pray with on Saturday morning, we already do, because we're so captured and captivated by this thought that we carry his presence and our role and goal is to distribute his presence to people around us. Here's what we do. We made an agreement that whenever our situation changes, whenever our context changes, whenever our location changes, here's what we do. We ask God, God, what are you up to? God, what are you doing? Show me I want to join you. 
we say those things like out loud or under our breath whenever our situation, whenever our context changes, we want to be so aware of the Spirit's presence about what God is doing, and then we want to be eager to step in and join God who's always at work. <clears throat> let, me give you a, let me give you an idea. Like your typical day might look something like this. Bear with me. You wake up and you start your day. Good morning, Lord. What are you up to today? What's your plan for me and my family? What do you want me to do before I leave for work? Is there a family member who needs prayer or I can bless or encourage? What are you up to, God? I'm available. And then you jet off to work. You jump in your car. You start to drive. Instead of turning the radio on, you say, okay, God, what's your plan for me at work today? Who should I be praying for right now as I'm going into work? Who are you setting me up? What's the divine appointment you're setting me up for once I get to work? I'm your man. What are you going to be about in my office building? I want to be aware of your presence and what you're doing in the lives of my coworkers. Use me, God. You walk into your office and you say, okay, God, what are you doing in my office building today? What are you doing in my cubicle or on my team? Is there someone you need me to encourage or bless? Is, is there someone who needs hope and encouragement from you? I'll distribute it. You go out to lunch with these coworkers, you walk into the cafeteria or restaurant, you say, okay, God, what are you doing in this place? Is there someone who needs a blessing from me? Is there someone who has a need that I can meet? Is there someone who needs me to demonstrate your goodness and your grace because they're having a bad day over their lunchtime? You get the idea. Just whenever your location changes, just ask God, what are you doing? What are you up to? And I want to be aware. I want, I want you to use me. So show me, God. And you know what he does? He gives you hints. He gives you clues. You don't hear a voice from heaven, but you'll see someone struggling or hurting or someone will bring up a topic that you can step into and you can, you can show the love of God. You can release the presence of the God who's in you, the spirit who's in you on someone with a need if you're just aware. You and I just gotta raise our awareness. Here's the deal. I guarantee you God will show up. You know how I know? He comes with you. You bring him into every situation you step into. So he'll be there. The question is, will you be there? You and I just need to be aware of what he's up to. Ask him, invite him, and he'll show you. It's living with an awareness of the spirit inside you. It's living with the dove in mind. It's a, it's a better way to live. You recognize that God's at work all around you. It's awesome. You'll love it. You'll never go back to being oblivious again. We not only need to develop this, this uh, quality of awareness of God at work, we need to develop this quality of expectation, meaning we expect God to choose to use us. We expect God to, to use us to demonstrate the love of the Father to people all around us and his goodness. You begin to anticipate God choosing to use you. It's not a foreign concept. It's like, of course he will. His spirit lives in me. You go from hoping for a divine appointment to eagerly looking for it. The truth is you'll see them when you start to look for them and recognize that God does want to use you, that he's setting you up for divine appointments all the time. That it's his strong pleasure and preference to use you to model and demonstrate the love of the Father to those all around us. That's why he placed his spirit inside you. He wants you to partner with him in what he's doing. He's always at work, even to this day. Awareness and expectation. You and I need to raise it up, and you watch what God will do in you and through you. <clears throat> My new friend, Robert, 
God was working all over him. I saw it when I invited him to the fishing bench. God set me up for this divine appointment. It was awesome. Just to simply show him the love of God, the love of the Father, one he had never seen before. He didn't know it. He gave me uninterrupted time with Robert on the fishing bench. It's a lot of time to talk when you're fishing. And Robert initiated every conversation. And you know what? Every conversation was spiritual. We didn't talk about work. We didn't even talk about fishing. You know what he wanted to talk about? Family, friends, and faith. He said, hey, Dan, what do I do about my son? I think he's drinking too much. He drinks alone late into the night. What do we do about that? I said, we can pray about that. We can talk to him about it in a way that's non-judgmental. We did it. He thought it was awesome. He says, friends. He goes, Dan, I've had friends steal money from me and betray me. What do I do about that? I said, well, you can forgive. He says, can I do that? I said, it won't be fun. It won't be easy. But yeah, you can. It'll free them. It'll free you. He did it. He, he never, never heard of such a thing to forgive guilty people. And then he said, what about me? Can God forgive someone who like has blown God off for 50 years? Is it really true? Is everything forgivable? That's what we wanted to know. Is everything I've done forgivable? And I said, it is. Even disregarding him for 50 years, I said, it is. He's like, that's a good deal. So that's a good deal. <laughs> he embraced it. Not only that, his broken body, God gave me the opportunity to pray for his beat up, broken, hurting body, and God touched him. He said, oh my gosh, God is real. I feel it in my body. That constant pain went away. That's what God does. See, if, you, if you're looking for it, he'll show up because you bring him with you. It's a matter of you being aware and then expecting God to use you. You don't do anything except show up and release his presence. It's him doing it through you. He'll do it for Robert. He'll do it through you. It's, your, it's his purpose and plan for you and for me. It's awesome. You'll never go back to being oblivious again. God's always at work, even to this day. I'd like you to stand with me for a closing song. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> so before we sing, though, I'm just going to remind you that God is at work all around you. He actually has littered your week with divine appointments. You just haven't seen most of them. You're like me. And you've missed most of them, but you won't miss them now. You're going to be aware. You're going to invite him to show you what he's up to, and he'll show you. He'll give you little clues, and then just have the courage and guts to step in, and you watch what God does. He's awesome that way. So you'll find him when you begin to look for him. You'll begin to anticipate opportunities for him to use you, to bless someone or pray for someone or encourage someone or serve someone, and he will. He'll choose to use you. You'll be getting in step with the Spirit, and you'll love it. You'll begin to walk and move and live according to the Spirit's leading. The, you'll live with the dove in mind. And you'll quit worrying about, I wonder if God will show up. What if he doesn't show up? And you'll start dreaming about, what if he does? What if he does? Because he will. He'll show up. You're bringing him with you. You and I owe the world an encounter with God. And you can give it to him. You can give it to him. It's his pleasure to use you. I remind you that the God of the universe, he loves us. The creator of the world, the creator of the universe loves us, has invited us to join him in the work he's continually doing. It's his purpose and pleasure to use you and me. Awesome. To release his presence on those desperate around us who need it. 
to be the natural part of what God is doing supernaturally. 